0: Our scripture lessons today as we gather together on this eighth Sunday after Pentecost. For those who will worship with us later, the lessons come to us from the Old Testament book of Ecclesiastes, chapters 1 and chapter 2, various selections there, Psalm 49, verses 1 through 11, the New Testament epistle to the Colossians, chapter 3, verses 12 through 17, and Luke's gospel, chapter 12. Verses 13 through 21. Well, we find ourselves today deeply immersed in what Nat King Cole called those lazy, crazy, hazy days of summer. And for churches that follow the Christian year and the Christian calendar, we are now nearly two and a half months removed from Pentecost. We are making our way through this long season of Kingdom Tide, or ordinary time, that season where we explore what it means that the Holy Spirit has come to empower the church to continue Christ's saving work. For those not following the Christian calendar, the long days of summer can have a similar effect on those of us who do, in that we find ourselves at this time of the year needing a sort of spiritual shot of adrenaline and today we get it roll up your sleeves and get out the cotton swabs and the alcohol for the vaccine is ready i'm not talking about the covid vaccine either enter the preacher and i'm not talking about myself this preacher's name is Koholoth, the hebrew name for one who speaks to the assembly The English translation of this word is the word Ecclesiastes. In our three-year lectionary cycle, Ecclesiastes appears just once today. And in churches that do not use the lectionary, chances are also good that you don't hear a whole lot of preaching from this book from the pulpit. With the possible exception of sound bites like Eat, Drink and Be Merry, or to everything there is a season. One scholar in fact has said that the book of Ecclesiastes made it into the canon against all odds. And another calls the book the great bungee jump of scripture. Now personally I've always wanted to try bungee jumping. I've thought about going down to Twin Falls to the the, is it the Parine Bridge? Whatever and bungee jumping off that. I don't know if I'd have the guts to go through with it, but I've always thought it'd be fun to try to bungee jump. And so maybe today is our opportunity, if Ecclesiastes is the great bungee jump of Scripture, uh, maybe we can take the plunge. Are you ready to take the plunge with me and hear what the preacher of Ecclesiastes has to say this morning? Well, have you ever gone outside and tried to chase the wind, literally? Ponder that image for just a moment. Imagine yourself going outside on a breezy day and trying to follow the wind where it blows. In the first two chapters of this book of Ecclesiastes, the preacher describes life using this very image no less than nine times. He says, life is like chasing after the wind. When life is boiled down to its essence, he says, the essence of life is this, it's vanity. It's chasing the wind. Vanity of vanities, he says, everything is meaningless. Life has no rhyme or reason. You can work your fingers to the bone, and all you're going to get is bony fingers. You can work hard all of your life, to leave a legacy but when you die you're gonna be forgotten and there is no guarantee that those who come after you are gonna honor your wishes or steward what you have done. No matter how loudly you express the wonder of your individuality it's all gonna end up in ashes or a casket. Time marches on as it always has Generations come and generations go, but nothing changes. In fact, says the preacher, if life is a game of cards, God has dealt us all a lousy hand. What is wrong cannot be made right, and what is missing cannot be recovered. In the end, if you want to understand the meaning of life, you might as well go outside and try to chase after the wind. Now, for those of us listening to his sermon here, we might easily conclude that this preacher is suffering from pastoral burnout. (laughs) Listen to what he says here. What has been is what will be, and what has been done is what will be done. There is nothing new under the sun. So I hated life, because what is done under the sun was grievous to me, For all is vanity and striving after the wind. Aren't you glad you came to church this morning? Personally, I'm glad. And here's why. I'm glad because in the 22 plus years that I have been your pastor... There have been a few days where I've wanted to stand here and say to you what the preacher has just said. The only difference is that he actually had the courage to do it. Many of us here today, if we were honest, would say that we have had times in our lives when we completely identify with the preacher here. We know and we have experienced the profound emptiness of life. We know what it's like to pursue something with all of our heart, something that we believe will bring us fulfillment and make us happy, only to find the emptiness inside once we've actually attained it. The reality is that the more we understand about life, the more painful life can be sometimes. The more we know about justice, the more injustice we begin to see around us. The more wisdom that we acquire, the more we realize how very much we do not know. The preacher of Ecclesiastes speaks with a candor and honesty that is sometimes lacking in the church today. He acknowledges that sometimes there are painful discrepancies between our faith and between the brutal facts of life. Sometimes there is a disconnect between our faith and our lived experience. The preacher here, though, does not shun this disconnect. He does not try to sweep it under the rug and pretend that it does not exist. He is not afraid of hard questions, and neither should we be. He does not hesitate to place his lived experience alongside his faith. Throughout the book, there are two issues that come to the surface for him repeatedly about this, where he places his lived experience alongside his faith. One is when he tries to make sense of life using reason alone, and the other is when he tries to make sense of life if this life is all that there is. The preacher realizes the problem with trying to explain life by reason alone, and the problem is that our wisdom no matter how great it is, is far exceeded by our ignorance, by what we don't know. And not surprisingly then, he concludes that the increase of his knowledge only leads to the increase of his sorrow. Secondly, the preacher struggles when he tries to account for the meaning of life apart from the reality of death. It's good to work hard, he says, it's great to work hard in order to leave a legacy. But death is coming to all of us, and the reality is that you're going to be forgotten in time, and those left behind may not be worthy of what you leave them. They may not steward it appropriately into the lives of others. I think the preacher knows here that the only thing that you take with you into the next life is what you have given away in this one. The preacher's wisdom should not be lost on us this morning. If you try to understand and explain life in terms of reason alone, and if you try to understand the meaning of your life in terms of this life only, there's only one conclusion that awaits you. Life is utterly meaningless. You might as well try to chase the wind. Return with me for a moment to the beginning of the sermon where I quoted the preacher. He says, I hated life because everything that has been done is grievous to me. Did you notice something there? He says, I hated life. Past tense. By the time we get to the end of the book, a subtle but very important shift has taken place. The preacher of Ecclesiastes wrestles with many difficult issues. We have to remember that more than likely it was Solomon who wrote this. And you have to remember that this is a man who had it all and did it all, literally to the extreme. He wrestles with these many difficult issues. He lays his soul bare in dealing with them. But by the end of the book, things have changed from the beginning. The difficult issues have not gone away. They're still there. But by the end of the book, the preacher has arrived at a place where he says this, God's ways are as hard to discern as the pathways of the wind, as mysterious as a tiny baby being formed in its mother's womb. And then he is able to say this, Here is my final conclusion. Fear God and keep his commandments for this is the duty of every person. There is a subtle shift here in the preacher's thinking from the beginning of the book to the end of the book. And the subtle shift that occurs makes this text very good news, I think, for us this morning. The beginning of Ecclesiastes speaks of life as being meaningless. The end of Ecclesiastes speaks of life as being a mystery and there is a vast difference between the two. The preacher of Ecclesiastes doesn't answer all of the questions that he raises but here's what he does he gets to a place where he is willing to allow these hard and difficult questions some room to breathe within the context of a relationship with God who is greater than he is and who knows more than he knows. Life is not meaningless. Life is a mystery. There is a difference. When I came to interview and meet with the church board, back in the spring of 2000 to see about coming to be your pastor. The church board had drafted a job description that they wanted for their pastor, which outlined the duties that would be involved. It it involved preaching from the lectionary and following the church year and administering the sacraments, visiting the sick, and caring for the spiritual needs of the congregation. It involved marrying and burying and preaching the gospel and remaining true to the original vision of the congregation. So many things. And it was good. Those things were all good. They're very important. I've tried to live up to them and to live into them all these years. But do you know what I believe the congregation was really asking me to come and do when I became your pastor? If you could distill my job description down into a simple sentence, one simple sentence, if you could boil it all down, what am I to do in your midst? Here it is The job of the pastor is to put a frame around the mystery. As we come to the Lord's table this morning, I invite you to come with faith. I invite you to come not as those whose questions are all resolved and whose issues are all settled. But I invite you to come as those who are willing to embrace life as a mystery, not as a meaningless chasing after the wind. At the heart of that mystery that we call life is a person named Jesus Christ, the one who makes himself mysteriously present to us in bread and wine, and in him, all of life's puzzles and enigmas eventually find their resolution.